0: Hello and welcome to Bending Over Backwards podcast episode four. My name is Kira Reed, and I'll be your host. This week we have Mary Quinn on the show. She will be talking about postpartum doulas as well as stay-at-home parenting. We'll also be talking about midwives, doulas, what their various roles are, as well as a book review of Brain Rules for Baby. You can find me on Instagram at KiraTheReed, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bending Podcast, on Twitter at Bending Podcast. This will most likely be the last episode for the podcast unless some serious contributions are made before the 30th. Make sure you check out my Kickstarter at bit.ly slash Bending Podcast. Give what you can. A few dollars from a few people can really add up. Share as often as you can. If you like the podcast and want more, please support in any way. The episode is recorded on borrowed equipment, so if you like it and want more, I need your help. Also, remember to subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share. First up, we're going to be talking about the various caregivers that are available to you. A lot of words like midwife and doula get thrown out, and not everyone knows what the difference is between all of these different things. So, The three main words that you might hear are an OBGYN, which is an obstetrician-gynecologist, mostly a surgical role, a midwife, or a doula. So an OBGYN and a midwife both have a more active role in catching or delivering your babies. Midwives catch and OBs deliver. A doula is more of a coach role. So maybe if your partner isn't available or if your partner needs to be serving a different capacity in your delivery, a doula can be there to help in the process. Doulas can be the person who's in charge of your birth plan if you have one to make sure that what the doctors are saying is what you want to do. Not everyone has a great ability to make decisions under pressure and delivering a baby is high pressure things go wrong sometimes and it's important to have someone there who knows what they're doing that can help you out in making these choices with the bringing about of movies like business of being born and born in america we have started to see a different side of the business of having babies and A lot of places in the world are more oriented in getting babies out quickly and for the most amount of money. I haven't seen that here in our area, but it's nice to know that there are advocates available who are going to do what's best for you, not what's best for the hospital's pocket. So you can have all three of these things present. You could have two or just one. I had a C-section that my midwife was actually present at, so... It was a nice combination of the two options. There are also now postpartum doulas, which we'll be talking to Mary about in a little bit. A postpartum doula is someone who can help coach and support you through your fourth trimester or the time that you're spending at home with your newborn. For a lot of people, this is a very hard time. It's a very hard process getting used to having a baby. Um, Especially if you're doing some serious healing, if anything went not according to plan, you may need a little bit of extra help around the house. And you and dad are both tired. It's nice to have someone who is familiar with children and who will honor your plan of being at home in whatever capacity you need to be in. Next, we'll be talking to Mary Quinn a little bit more about what it is to be a postpartum doula and how... They can help you in your fourth trimester. You can find more information about her at MotherNurtureME.com, or you can find links on our Facebook page. So we have a little guest host here, so (laughs) (laughs) you hear screeching. That's what it is. Okay,
1: no worries.
0: You are a postpartum doula, along with many other things. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Can you tell me what a postpartum doula is and what do you do in that capacity? Absolutely. I think that people are starting to understand more what a labor
1: doula is, you know, accompanying women through childbirth, supporting women in childbirth. So a postpartum doula does much the same work after the baby is born. And usually I contract with my clients when they're expecting, and Mm -hmm. then they notify me when the baby is born. And whenever they're ready, usually within the first week after coming home or even within the first couple of days, I visit them in home and then do so consistently, you know, until they kind of feel like they're, they're ready to go on their own, take off the training wheels. So some extra in-home support, just really supporting mom and partner and baby I really try to focus on mom because I don't know just the way that we do that transition here in our culture is not it's Mm -hmm. just not very well done so a lot of times you you go through the birth experience and you think a lot about that and you you try to plan for it and and you experience it and then you're in the hospital for maybe 48 hours And then you're just let loose to go home and parent your child. (laughs) It can be, um, especially with your first, really overwhelming and confusing. And, you know, I think we're just used to feeling really competent in all areas of our life. And then you realize there's Mm -hmm. this whole realm that you just don't even know about, like through no fault of your own, but just all these questions come up. And so anyway, the postpartum doula is there. Usually I do about four. Four-hour visits—it can be, you know, whatever the client thinks that they want. Bringing healthy food for mom, um, meal prep—I can play with older siblings so mom can just kind of snuggle in with baby, or I can care for baby while mom and dad get some rest. Sometimes I feel like a nanny service or a maid or things like that, and I do play those roles. But I think there's Mm -hmm. just the the added value of having someone who's really calm. And experienced as a mother, just kind of giving some perspective, and um, and then there's definitely a a parental education piece in there. Just if they have questions, they can run them by me. I can offer resources, things like that.
0: That's a great service. I found that when I got home, you know, the first day or two, it was just flooded with people, Mm -hmm. and there was always someone there to hold the baby and help. And then kind of as the novelty wore off to other people, I was stuck. Right. And I had had a C-section, and so I really needed help right. for a lot longer. Right. And it was kind of not there. It was people coming and going when they wanted to see the baby, but then if I was like, hi, can you come over so I can fold laundry? Right. They were busy.
1: right. Everyone does want to hold the baby, which is natural, but yeah, um, you have to have some really close friends or, or someone to help you like a postpartum doula too. To fold the laundry for you, or just hold the baby so you can. Or, I remember with my when my first son was born in um, 2009, my sister came and stayed with us for a month. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My husband didn't didn't take any paternity leave, so it was a quick turnaround. Um, and most
0: most dads don't have right, paternity or very leave. limited. Yeah, my husband is very lucky. He got six weeks off. So, it's
1: incredible. Yeah. Have the two weeks, you know,
0: which is something,
1: but it's it's not what it should be.
0: (laughs) My husband works for Bowdoin College here in Brunswick, and they have amazing maternity and paternity leave.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, as you know, with a C section, mom is physically recovering. So, there's all this new stuff of you know getting the breastfeeding going if you're doing that um take how to take care of the baby but I mean even simple things like having your first bowel movement after you've given
0: birth or something like that like you yeah. just need
1: someone to take let me tell you about that <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: yes <laughs> I wish I had had a medical crew with me I for know. that. It's like an event. <laughs> well, and especially after a C-section, you have all oh, the um, narcotics in your yeah. system, which don't help anything. Right. And, right. Yeah. Or they I was on the phone with my the iron. Or yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had to have IV iron. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Note out there for moms: be prepared. Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, yeah. Or if if baby is colicky, you know, maybe mom is occupied pumping or showering or resting and dad has mm-hmm. colicky baby or or you know partner has colicky baby and then who's going to get dinner on the table so it really right. really is helpful to have another pair of helping hands non-judgmental no strings yeah. attached
0: what led you to decide to become a postpartum well
1: i would say so i was one of the first of my friends to have like my close friends to have a baby and my son was born in 2009. And then a couple years later, some of my close friends out of state had their babies and they were happy and healthy and everything. But I realized that are, their birth experience was not as positive and supported that I, as, as mine had been. And I just felt really fortunate. And that led me to sort of pursue the labor doula piece, you know, read all about midwives and labor doulas and supporting women through birth. And I did actually do a labor doula training in 2013, it must have been, but that was shortly before I became pregnant with my twins. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so everything took a little bit of a back burner and all stewed back there a while as I continued to be pregnant and teach high school, etc. And then I thought, you know, I, I don't think my family and my schedule could allow me to put in the the intense on-call hours that a labor doula does, but what about yeah. postpartum support? And so in pursuing that, I read this awesome book called Mothering the New Mother. And it just really spoke to that, that concept that I was talking about earlier, just about giving the mother that, that time to transition, just sort of supporting her and her transformation. You know, if, if, you're, if you're not a mother and then you are, or if you're a mother to one and then you, then you become a mother to two, you know, there's a lot of sort of personal growth on the mother's part that happens. So a lot of emotional stuff to go through. And then the book also talked about other cultures who really give the mother uh, 40 days of lying in, you know, everyone's job is to bring her soups that promote lactation. And, and her job basically is to rest and heal and nurse, you know, because that's a huge job. And I don't know, that book just really, really struck a chord with me. And as I formed my idea of, of becoming a postpartum doula, every friend that I'd talked to who had had a baby already said, oh my gosh, I wish I'd had that support.
0: What do you have for tips for new mothers and fathers? <laughs> so, I mean, I know there's just a thousand, right? but mostly regarding kind of what you do, the postpartum sure. aspect. What are some things you know, we expect to come home and have diapers and all of these things, but what are some things that maybe moms and dads aren't expecting that is something that you see a lot?
1: So I would say a few sort of core pieces of advice. Um, one would be the self-care piece.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. We bring
1: the baby home and we're ready to drop everything for the baby, but we have to remember that well parents, you know, raise well babies. (laughs) So especially as as moms, uh, especially maybe as first-time moms, our tendency is to sacrifice everything for our child, which is so natural. But um, it's taken me years to learn personally, find out, even if it's a very small way, that you can care for yourself and replenish yourself. Whether it's you know mind, body, or soul, just find little ways to to take care of yourself. And that will make you stronger, even, even just allow yourself to take care of yourself. You know, we think, oh, I don't have time to take that shower or drink that coffee hot, but just allow yourself ways (laughs) to take care of yourself. So that would be, that would be one. Um, Another piece of advice I would say is to accept help when it's offered and to also ask, ask for the help that you specifically need. Um, I remember, you know, like you said, you have a lot of visitors and usually there are a lot of well-intentioned people. They just don't quite know how to help you. But, you know, if, if you need your mother to come and fold the laundry instead of holding the baby or your best friend to come and fold your laundry, just just ask, you know. <laughs> it's, it's ta- yeah. Again, it's taken me a lot of years and, and it's been very a very humbling journey to figure out how to ask for help. But um, it is good. And I guess the other piece is that just... To be patient with yourselves and trust your own instincts a little bit. One of the big eye opening things for me becoming a parent was that there is so much information out there and conflicting information <laughs> you know yeah pretty much for every <laughs> for book out there that everything. says to do this <laughs> yeah. there's a
0: book that says don't do this I mean everything don't don't try to potty train your kid Absolutely. try to potty train your kid Absolutely. everything and now
1: a lot of us do take it to Facebook or social media and try to get some advice and that can definitely have a helpful role but you'll also find, oh, I'm totally anti-vaccines. Oh, you have to get your kids vaccinated, or you know, sleep yes. training, absolutely not. You know, there are just all these conflicting ways um, to raise children, and I would say just try to be open and listen to your instincts. I mean, obviously everyone's going to try and be safe with their kids, but yeah. find out what works for you and your family and just trust that Yeah. rather, and sort of eliminate some of the worry piece, you know, rather than worrying whether you're doing it right, just kind of breathe and think, okay, this feels right. And, and we're going to go with this. And, and then my sort of closing piece of advice is that, <laughs> the kid is going to be okay. You know, (laughs) everything is going to be okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I have two sort of, um, examples of that. The first one is that the first two weeks of, um, having our baby home, we wrote down everything, every pee, (laughs) every poop, every nursing, we wrote everything down. I was terrified that he wasn't going to gain weight. Um, and we went to the doctors and he had, um, He had already gained back all of his weight that he lost in the hospital and then some. And by our next appointment, he'd already doubled in size. (laughs) So it was a very, looking back, it was a very silly thing to be doing. But I felt like I was terrified and I couldn't trust myself and I needed to do that. And then the other part of that is we swore that we would never do cry it out. Never, ever. And Kirk just was not sleeping and he was doing two hours at a time, maybe four hours. And this yeah. is when he's, you know, eight months right. old. So he should be sleeping at this point. Right. And finally, one night, kind of on accident, we did cry it out. And he slept for 12 hours. Oh and God. it was like, okay, he's telling us that this is what he needs yeah. and what works for him. Right. And we've been doing it since. And he sleeps through the night and sleeps for 10 to 11 hours every night. So, wow, that's um,
1: incredible
0: kind of, yeah, be open, be, be open. open to what's out there and what your baby wants. And,
1: and it's going to you know. probably be different for the second baby. You know, Absolutely. I don't think sure. we tried some crying with my son. I don't think it ever would have worked for him. Yep. It did work for one of our twins, you know, but not the other. So it's right. Just, yeah. I have a client who just said before she had her baby, she was, you know, just going to encourage the baby to be independent or whatever, not, you know, never sleep on her, et cetera. But now she's totally an attachment parenting
0: parent, you know, she wears her baby (laughs) all the time.
1: That's what her baby asked for and needed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You have to listen. Yeah. If I have a new mom in my life, what are some things that I can do to help besides maybe going over and, offering to hold the baby or offering to fold laundry. I know it was hard for me to let some of my friends kind of come over and do my laundry. I'm not that close with them, but they wanted to help. So what are some things that um, I can do or that as a new mom, what can I get ready or prepare so that when people come over, I can say, you know, do this or help me with this?
1: That's a really great question. And sometimes... You know, if I have a friend who's had a baby, I wonder the same thing. Like, oh, I want to help. Yeah. I'm not sure how. You know, oh, I'll cook for some, something for them. Oh, what if they have dietary things or I don't know. Yeah. Um So, you know, if you have the closeness with her, just ask in all sincerity, you know, what can I do to help? But sometimes sometimes just asking isn't enough, especially if they're the kind of person who has a hard time accepting help. Um I'll say... Ugh some things that you could do definitely a really you know small servings of something really healthy that mom could eat you know rather than maybe the the giant lasagna that we usually think of that can be helpful but just I, I had um, actually uh, my Prenatal yoga instructor Kate Nicholson, when she visited me after my twins, she swung by. The key is, you know, if you're going to visit, don't stay too long usually. Yeah. <laughs> she came by, she had made this amazing smoothie and just had it there for me to drink. You know, she was just chatting. She washed up a few dishes and it was kind of hard to let her just do that. You want to play hostess, but, um, right. Washed up a few dishes, you know, just chatted a little bit. Uh, and that was great. When my son was born, I had a friend coming over and you know, she asked in all honesty, you know, can I swing by and get you something? And I said, actually, we really need XYZ from Target, you know, because it's so hard to get out of the house. Um, mm. So running a quick errand is really helpful. Definitely just some wholesome foods or even if if, if it's just snacks, you know, almonds and dried fruits. I would say those are, are helpful things. But definitely ask and just definitely don't stay too, too long unless you feel like it's really, really welcome <laughs> just yeah. be really sensitive to the fact please don't leave oh god yeah. please don't leave <laughs> right. yeah be sensitive to the fact that mom might need to get up and use the bathroom or might need really need to nurse but not want to do it in front of people or something like yeah. that
0: yeah and and also be aware that moms start to get on the schedule of napping throughout the day mm-hmm. too and <laughs> right. if baby starts to get drowsy mom's gonna start to get drowsy, <laughs> yep. drowsy too so
1: or at least um, we, we had a at least want to do something while the baby's napping or <laughs> yeah
0: yeah we had a list that we would make of things that needed to be done around the house or, you know, if we found that we were missing an item from the store or something like mm-hmm. that. That way, my poor adult brain wouldn't have to look around and say, uh, yes, do this. I could right. just say, you can take something from the list uh, or here's what we need from the store. That and it was awesome. an easy yep. way that. You know, you don't, you don't put pressure on them to do one thing, to say, oh, go do the dishes. Right. Well, I hate doing the dishes. I'm not going to come <laughs> to your house and do dishes. But it's just a list. And right. so you can say, pick something from the list or pick two things or whatever you want to do to help would be very helpful.
1: That is such an awesome idea. I love that.
0: Have you dealt with any postpartum depression issues um, with clients or anything like that, that you can give some advice or tips on? Maybe not how to fix it because that's something that, you know, a medical person should do. But something that you can do if you're worried about it, you know, what are some tips to help stave it off a little?
1: Yeah, postpartum depression. I'm I'm so interested in the topic and I think there's just not – there is some information out there but it's still – Fairly on the down low, you know they kind of yeah. mention it in a childbirth education class, probably. Um, but my number one sort of suggestion would be, you know, if you don't think you're feeling a hundred percent, or if you don't think you're feeling as well as you want to be feeling emotionally, um, talk to your doctor, seek some sort of remedy to that, because um, you deserve to feel the best you can be, you know, for yourself and for your Mm -hmm. baby. I think there, there definitely are emotional ups and downs. I think a lot of women experience probably degrees of postpartum mood disorders and there's depression, there's anxiety, um, you know, there's OCD, there, there are more extreme postpartum psychoses and those become more apparent, but um, you know, even the anxiety piece can be really overwhelming, um, especially yeah. in the first few months, but, that, but it's not even the first few weeks. I mean, you can, it can hit you six months out, you know, it can hit you when you wean your child because of hormonal changes. Um, so just from personal experience, um, I, I think I've dealt with some mild depression for most of my adult life. I had never, been on any sort of um, medication until I had breast cancer in 2012. And in the aftermath of that, I did go on some medication, but went off of it to become pregnant again. But when my twins were six months old, um, it's like you can kind of feel the darkness creeping in. Uh, I just knew I wasn't where I wanted to be. Like some times I would, it was kind of overwhelming. My son would have been almost five. And my babies were, my twins were six months old and my husband was working outside the home for the summer. So I had a lot of time on my hands with these three kids and we were in a small home. And, um, I just remember sometimes taking them all out and just thinking, I wonder if I could just, you know, I'd I'd be driving down the road. I'm like, I wonder if I could just crawl in the ditch and everything could disappear for a little while. you know?
0: And I think that's
1: somewhat common sense of feeling overwhelmed. Um, yeah. And I never, you know, I never wanted to harm myself. I never wanted to harm my children. So there weren't those red flags, but there was some detachment on my part and sure. some lack of coping skills. And I thought, you know what? I just, I want to be more present. I I want to feel more with it. <laughs> um, and at six months, I did go back on some, some medication. Um, whereas I think just a lot of women don't realize like that can be... You know, hormones affecting your mood. You could be, you know, I think, yes, I could say I was depressed in some ways or had some, you know, mood disorder going on, but most of us kind of white knuckle through it. Um, yeah. So, so I would say just definitely approach uh, a healthcare provider if you have someone you feel comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. And it's worth looking into, you know? So yes. that's sort of my. I definitely
0: <laughs> had some of the. OCD issues yep. uh a few months after Kirk oh. was born our cat got fleas and he's an indoor cat so we don't you know we had ton- tons of people coming in and out to see the baby and so someone had eggs on them and the eggs laid oh, and he got fleas gosh. and it was it was like the plague was in our home yeah. i couldn't handle it i was so stressed out about fleas getting to the baby right. and about fleas having eggs in the carpet right. and i was ready to we built a brand new house and brought the baby home to the brand new house. (laughs) And so it's this brand new clean thing. And now it has infested with fleas and I was ready to burn it down to the ground and just move into a new house. I was so done with the fleas and I wasn't sleeping. (sighs) And even after we finally got rid of the fleas, I still felt that emotional anxiety. And I still, I could tell that it wasn't just about the fleas that there was going on. And, um, Luckily, the the hormones kind of leveled themselves okay. out, and I could yep. I could feel myself coming out of it. But it was getting close to a point where I might have gone to get help. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was. It's you don't feel in control. It's not a kind of depression or emotionality that you say you can rationalize. Yeah, right. because a lot of it is it's just chemical. You can say I don't know why I'm upset. Right. I know I shouldn't be upset, but I really am. Yeah. Um, it, by think, by
1: definition it's irrational it's just yeah
0: <laughs> my husband and I are both very kind of pragmatic people and he's always very concerned about my emotional state and <laughs> I'm a little That's erratic um, we know that <laughs> he's a Libra I'm a Gemini so he's always trying to balance out <laughs> yeah. my two crazy sides so I think he we could both step back and say this is chemical What can we do? How can we fix the situation so that we can see that it's just the chemical remaining? But we, you know, cleaned the house and everything. Yeah. We did it that way, but that's not necessarily the answer for everyone. For for help and for some people, filling out those little forms at the doctor's office every time you go are important.
1: Right. And so, you know, my push would be if you feel, if you really feel like it's something you might need, you know, seek help. And that could be, um, Medical, the medical route. It could be, um, you know, a, a therapist, uh, someone to talk to. Um, but that's where the self care comes in too. So much of it is better if you're sleeping. You
0: know. Yeah. So find yeah. ways,
1: find ways to sleep. Hire a postpartum and, um, <laughs> um, Last
0: week's episode was actually with Kate, and we talked a lot about self care. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in, yeah. I would go back an episode and have a listen to what Kate says about self care and about sleeping and um, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. So, what are some resources for new moms out there? Sure.
1: I would say, um, it's really important to kind of find your tribe, find your village. A lot of being a mother, especially a first time mom, if you don't have a lot of friends already who are in the same boat, it can be really isolating. You know, you have your maternity leave, so you're home taking care of baby, but it can be hard in those first few weeks to get out, I have seen that that having some sort of mother support group is really helpful. So these days, a lot of people find that support online. You know, there are lots of Facebook groups, you know, social media, like I said, that's to be taken with a grain of salt. You don't want to get into like Shh. fights about vaccines or something on, on Facebook, yes. but it can be really reassuring.
0: I think um, you and I are part of some similar groups yeah. that I, I feel like there is a real nice etiquette involved Absolutely. in all of them. Absolutely. People say, well, this is what I think. Yeah. This is, this is a resource you can look at. They'll give you links and everyone is very um, respectful. Yeah. Respectful, politically correct, mm-hmm. kind of like you're talking at a public restaurant right. type thing. Right. Kind of, no one's spewing anything, right. basically. Everyone's telling you what worked for them. And if you want to try it, here's where you can find resources. And yep. there are some really good groups out there for that. There so. really are.
1: And it can be everything from, you know, oh, my gosh, what's this mystery rash that just showed up on my infant's, you know, bottom or <laughs> or, oh, I'm so tired today. I just need some love or like, what's yes, <laughs> cup? or, you know, just uh, all sorts. Or, of hey,
0: things. we're all on at Two o'clock in the morning. I what know, are we I doing? That. That's definitely happened.
1: That. <laughs> And then for in-person, uh, depending on where you give birth, a lot of hospitals offer mother's circle type things or nursing support groups. And I think those are so helpful just to, even if you don't become best friends with anyone there, just to be with other people who are uh, doing the same thing at the same time as you, you know, have babies of similar ages and, and facing similar
0: problems. It can be really, yeah. really supportive. Yep. We have in this area, we have prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, centering, mother circle, all kinds of yep. different groups. I felt that it was really useful to go and hear what other people are saying because sometimes you have little things that you're thinking of, but you know they aren't important enough that you feel like you need to call your doctor right. or just little developmental things that maybe your baby started doing X, Y, and Z and you're wondering if it's normal. It's not really important, but it's just one other thing that you're thinking about. And going to the groups and just listening to people and where they're at and where their babies are at is a nice way to just let go of some of those things. Absolutely. Of, oh, that baby's doing that fine. I don't care about it anymore. Right. We're good. Absolutely. Or it can be a thing that red flags come up and you say, oh, well, all these babies are doing that. Maybe I should just pay attention to it or maybe I should be aware of it. And so for that, it's great, too. And you can ask questions and get your baby weighed, which I know the first mm-hmm. few months is like, how much does he weigh? Is he gaining yes. enough weight? Is he gaining wait and it's such a silly
1: thing I know but it's (laughs) true it's true it's it's you can't
0: wait to go get your baby right good resources out there absolutely you talk a lot about in your answers that you gave earlier about um supporting stay-at-home moms and working moms or what I call stay-at-home working moms (laughs) right um so what are some ways that our culture can better support any or all of those types of mothers yeah (laughs)
1: That is a good question. Um, personally, I've done done it all. Um, up until last June, I was teaching full time with my preschooler, and six you know, my twins were in their first year. And now I am home with my twins, although I also work outside the home as a postpartum doula as as time allows on evenings and weekends. And now that the summer is here, my husband will be home more because he's also a school teacher. Um, and I care for another child full time in my home. So I'm kind of stay at home and working. You know, we, I think we all find all of that. We all find ways to to make that work because we realize it it can be really I mean, it is it's hard no matter how you slice it. It's hard to be yeah. a stay at home mom. It's hard to be a stay at home working mom. It's hard to be a full time working mom outside the home. Um, different challenges. Uh, So how can we support, I I mean, for stay at home moms, I would say the, the, the finding your village again is so important. I always say with my best friend who lives in Austin, Texas, I say, Oh my gosh, I wish we were neighbors. Like this would be, Mm
0: -hmm. I would
1: be in heaven just home with my children, but my best friend next door, you know, Um, a lot of us don't have friendly neighborhoods. I've been really thankful this year in Brunswick to make some really good friends of toddlers, you know, that I see during mm-hmm. the week and also to start networking with friend, uh, mothers of um, school age children. Now that my son is in kindergarten and Brunswick yeah. just really does have an awesome community. Um, mm-hmm. And I would be going crazy without those, you know, moms that I connect with.
0: Um, you know, there is something to be said for those sister wives yeah, in Utah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I mean, it's, like all kidding aside a lot of times me and my friends who all have kids we just wish we could just have a little compound and have our houses right next to each other man (laughs) would it be easier to just do everything that way
1: right my one of my um, postpartum clients she said the other day she had this thought <laughs> she's like I miss communal living I've never lived yeah. <laughs> we don't have to like live together I just want to be like right. all together like raising our children and... yeah we
0: all get our own husbands and our own houses <laughs> right. but just can we please just help each other out here <laughs> totally Yeah.
1: Um, and so in terms of supporting working full time working moms I mean it's hard man like you just yeah. always as a stay-at-home mom, you are straight out all day with the kids. And so you don't get that sort of break of like maybe driving somewhere by yourself.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But as a full-time
1: working mom, I mean, you're also straight out, but you're switching hats all the time and you're, you're balancing, you're juggling, you know, and that's exhausting too. And it's, it's, I don't know how we could better. It's all hard. Yeah. We need, I mean, basically we need legislation that allows like much more flexible work schedules and you sure. know parental leave and things like that. Hats off to every mom out there. It is, it is hard work. It's to me the most, you know, valuable job, but, but it's a challenge.
0: <laughs> why do you feel that it's important to be a stay at home mom or why have you chosen to do it?
1: That's a good question. I, uh, It's one of those things, like so many things, where it really depends on what works for you and for your family. Where I was at with my career, I had put in about nine years as a a high school Spanish teacher, and I I was at the end of that road. I was kind of burnt out doing the teaching thing and ready for a change. I had this doula piece kind of ruminating in my mind, and so having my kids spend their day with someone else so that I could do something that I really wasn't content doing um, just didn't seem like the right setup. And I have to say having twins, it totally changes the picture because then you're also, you know, hemorrhaging money for daycare so that you can work at this job that you're not really happy. Yeah. At. Um, yeah. So that was a big driving force. Just, just having the two babies in daycare and being ready to try something new and thinking, okay, while they're little, you know, and they're my second babies, and, and you realize how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my oldest one being almost seven now. It's like, whoa, where did that go? So um, so I decided to, to take the plunge and, and stay home and pursue the doula work. And I work really hard now taking care of kids at home and mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting my own business, but I don't regret it for a second ever. It was yeah, totally yeah. the right choice for me and my family right now.
0: Yeah. I stay home with Kirk. It was mostly a financial decision in this area. It's quite expensive for babies yeah. and I wouldn't earn enough money to pay for him to right. be in preschool any way you cut it, no matter how our schedules were lined up. Right. I just wouldn't be earning enough to cover it and decided that I should kind of, I was working in studios and so I dropped studio work because I can't bring the baby. And right. if I can't find a sitter, what do I do? So I primarily just do preschools because if I can't find a sitter or if Anthony has to work, I can just bring him with me. What's one more kid at the preschool That's so cool, <laughs> and he loves it. And now with staying at home and trying to do, podcasting and things like that. Yes, there is a little extra chatter in the background, but, you know, it's only a small amount of time out of our day that we can sit and record and move on with the day. And hopefully it's something that can support us or at least can help with, you know, what's coming into the home. Absolutely. It is definitely a full-time job being a stay-at-home mom and then another full-time job trying to start – podcast and keeping my other business of yoga afloat because it is still a business. I, I run my own program, finding the preschools and keeping them and, uh, writing all the classes and all of that. So on top of all of that, what do you find is the hardest part of being stay at home mom? (laughs) For
1: me, it would be the lack of alone time. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not talking like, you know, a lot here, but, um, you know, recording with you, I'm like, what, I get to sit in a room by myself for an hour. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm an introvert. So just by nature, I need that sort of
0: me too. quiet,
1: a, a little bit of alone time or just room to think to kind of recharge. Um, yes. and Right now, I I bed share with one of my toddler twins because she still just really likes to sleep next to mom and nurse on occasion. So I, I wake up with her, you know, between five and six. And then the day ends when my oldest goes to bed, you know, nine or 9.30. And there are only a few snippets in there. Maybe I can manage some quiet during nap. That's what I usually manage to do. But even just like not being able to leave the house to run an errand you know there are long stretches of days where where the only times they leave the house are with two or three or four children in tow so <laughs> it's just the car seats and the buckles and the keeping them safe and you know <laughs> yeah it
0: it so. takes a lot longer than you think I mean <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm one that I'm always trying to be early for everything and I'm always flabbergasted when I get in the car and it's been 15 minutes it took us 15 <laughs> minutes to get from our yeah. front door to leaving and it's like I have I only have one right now. Right. I don't know how I'm going to do this later or how that 15 minutes even happens. Right.
1: Right. I know. I remember when my twins were born, it, you know, and granted they were, they were babies at the time, but it took us about 45 minutes to leave the house. And I said, well, I guess it's about 15 minutes per child, you know, and that's just how <laughs> it <Yes.
0: laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: but, you know, like, my... like using the bathroom alone or like changing yeah. your clothes alone or, you know, little things like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. My husband and I share a vehicle. Um, we both work within a few miles of the home. So it's just never been a, a a thing that we needed to buy a second vehicle. So there are some days that I am kind of stranded right, here. Right. And that those days kind of get to me where I don't have an option. But we have a great stroller and <laughs> yeah. uh, walk a lot and are just awful and say hello to every single person right. that we see a- <laughs> But we live in a community that there are a lot of older people, and yeah. so they are happy to stop and talk to a baby for a right, few minutes. And right. it's enough outside contact for me that I can then go home and cook dinner right. and feel recharged. Exactly. Um, I'm also an introvert, so I need that kind of alone time mm-hmm. of, okay, I need to be alone and recharge or I can't process. So right. So Kirk is very... Very independent and so for the most part he wants to just be on the floor and playing by himself. He doesn't want to snuggle or be played with. Right, isn't that funny? Um,
1: They're all so different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he goes to bed around seven. So after while while he's doing Cry It Out, I take a shower. So I can hear him crying. And it's good for everyone. So I take my alone time then. And then once he's asleep we I really have quite a few hours Good. before I go to sleep. And it's nice to look forward to that every day yeah. and to know I just have to make it to seven. I just have to make <laughs> it to seven. And, it, you know, it sounds kind no, of awful. It sounds but awful. It's... At
1: the same time, you're like, my kids are the most wonderful thing in my life. But then it's like, yeah. I just have to make it <laughs> to just... <laughs>
0: And it, like at first, you know, you, you're, you kind of resent that you have to wait all day to seven. Right. But then it's really nice because he's very reliable. Yeah. And I know that every day at seven, he's yeah. going to be asleep by seven. That and is- so it's a very, I know it's coming and I don't have to right. stress out during the day about, oh, I can- I'm frazzled. How am I going to be alone? Right. I know it's going to come. And there's this kind of relief that is, it's on its way. Yeah. Help is on its way. Yeah. My husband works till 10 p.m. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, we have the morning together and then he goes in, yeah. but
1: I know my husband does, a, he's a, a high school math teacher and he, he does a lot of extra jobs. Co- he coaches three seasons, you know, um, what is it? Golf, basketball, tennis. So he, you know, when the seasons are in session has a fair number of nights that he's, or days really where he's gone from 6 30 AM till you know, nine or 9 30 PM. And I've noticed that, um, my Son has shifted his bedtime quite a bit. He's just really not ready until nine o'clock, and that easily lingers on until nine thirty, mostly because my energy's so low. So I get the twins to sleep <laughs> around seven, <laughs> but then, you know, I have to sort of gear up for the second bedtime. So right, it is it is tough because then after nine nine thirty, that's when my brain just shuts down. So I do yep. miss a little bit those those evening hours where that could be my sort of alone time, but I don't feel like I can really check out until all the children are asleep. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, me I me either. I'm Until he's out, I can't unwind at yeah. all. So what is your release that you do <laughs> after a long week or a long day? Right. How do you cope with that?
1: I mean, sporadically, I'm able to get to a yoga class and that I would say is my number one thing that is just so restorative for me as, as a woman, as a mom. Um, and I know it's good for my body. And so if there's a chance to go to yoga, it's like, yes, I should take it. I should go. Um, so I would say that's my number one thing. I, I love getting together with girlfriends, especially if we can do it, you know, without children. So my husband's very supportive of girls nights because he knows it's important. Um <laughs> But honestly, on a day to day basis, Netflix and Ben and Jerry's. Yep.
0: <laughs> that's and like, now they have vegan flavors, yeah, so it's I, even better.
1: So that is seriously like that's my thing. Like like all the kids are asleep, I want to watch my show, and I don't want anyone yeah. to talk to me. I want to eat my chocolate therapy or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
1: maybe not the healthiest choice, but I'm I'm okay with that for this phase, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what right now is your favorite yoga pose? Oh, I love, um,
1: is it sleeping pigeon maybe? Yeah, sleeping swan. Sleeping swan, yeah. So it's pigeon and you you bend over and I like to do it really mm-hmm. supported like they do in yin yoga. So maybe shove a little yeah. blanket up under your hip, have a bolster in front of you. So it's really, really restful and restorative, but it also gets that really deep Love the pain kind of stretch you know in the, mm-hmm. um yeah, so that that would probably be my favorite.
0: Thank you, Mary. So before we get on to our book review, I just wanted to drop out an idea for everyone. Mary had mentioned a lying in period, and I just wanted to bring up a new concept that's becoming more and more popular. It's actually an old concept, but it's called a lotus birth, and a lotus birth is a delivery in which you keep the placenta attached to the baby until it falls off naturally. And there are several reasons that it's becoming more and more popular. There's a lot of spiritual reasons behind why people believe that keeping the placenta attached is an important thing. A lot of people refer to it as the twin of their baby. But it also creates a physical element to making it harder to get around with baby. It's really important to have a amount of time for mom and baby and family to be bonding together and not rushing out into the world. And when you have to keep this, this placenta attached to your baby, it makes it a little bit more difficult to get out and get going. So there's this kind of built-in sort of break to the process. For a lot of people, it also deters visitors. Uh, It might be a little gross to some people, but then you have more time just you and the family to spend. So just something to throw out there. It's an older concept that's getting popular. So do some research on it. Google lotus births. uh, See if it's right for you or if it's disgusting. Um, Totally up to you, but just throwing it out. So next up, we have a book review of Brain Rules for Baby by John Medina. I really like this book. It's a great cross between kind of a parenting book and a psychology science book. So it's a way for you to understand the development of your child as well as how you as a parent can affect it. So it's broken up into several sections. First two are more about you. So it's pregnancy. What things can you eat or do to help baby in utero to become smarter, happier, more moral baby? There's an interesting section that talks about kind of why we have morning sickness and that mothers who have more morning sickness early on in the pregnancy and are forced to be in bed for longer, have statistically more intelligent babies. Their brains are developing then in that first trimester. So by resting and giving them as much calm as possible, it helps them develop. So that's interesting. Second chapter after that is about relationships. So kind of about what is going to happen to your marriage after you bring home baby and what does that effect have on your baby after. So it's, you know, very clear that a hostile home environment does not breed intelligent or um, smart, moral, happy babies statistically. That's not to say that it doesn't happen or that it's not common. It just, in the study of this book, um, shows that it's not as likely. Um, It talks about some methods of discussion that you and your partner can use to ensure that you are resolving issues in your marriage without conflicting baby. And it just talks about how babies younger than six months can detect and respond that hostility, teaching the empathy reflex and just things that are going to change or evolve in your marriage or relationship. And then the next chapter is about intelligence or smart baby. So the Kind of headline of that is how do I get my kid into Harvard? So it has some methods of tools to talk to your baby. Um, it's it's a good book in that it doesn't say this is the method to use. It tells you what's going on in the baby's brain and what things are going to help your baby's brain evolve And that you can kind of plug in your parenting or your um, educational styles in there and still help your baby to gain intelligence. You know, it's not something that says don't ever watch TV, but it tells you a study about screen time before the age of two. And it's a great tool to allow you to pick and choose what kind of things are going to be a priority in your child raising. The next chapter is happy baby. How do you make sure that your baby, your child, is emotionally kind of stable? There's a lot of emotions that go on, a lot of big emotions that kids can't put words to yet. And so it just talks about how to label them, how to communicate about emotions, and how to take those emotions and grow them into happy, well-adjusted baby. And then the final section is a moral baby, um, how to raise good children, how to raise kids that do the right thing. Um, It talks a lot about parenting in a way that you're showing your child how to behave, a lot of do as I do and as I say. So I highly suggest this book if you have any interest in Kind of the why your child is doing things rather than how, so that you can make your own parenting choices. I think there's a lot of books out there that say this is the way to raise your baby and this is what you have to do without going into why? why is this? Why does cry it out work, for example? That way I can make a choice if it's right for my baby or not. So there's a lot of great things in this book that tell you, why things are happening the way they are so that you can make informed decisions on how you parent rather than parenting from a place of stress or because someone told you to. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting. If you have supported our Kickstarter or Facebook page, so far we're at $41 with only eight days left to go. Check out our Facebook, additional links, resources, or to ask questions about anything you've heard. Thank you so much for your feedback. I've had a lot of fun trying to get this off the ground. Hopefully over time we can accrue the equipment that we need on our own and hopefully at some point I will be back. Thank you, thank you, thank you.